Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Mr. Fiorazzo is off today. Tuesday is uh, normally his early day, uh, taking care of his other pastoral duties uh, out in Calcana. I am Crash Connell, still here at the microphone, and uh, we're practicing some safe social distancing this morning with our live guest from Silver Birch Ranch, Dave Wager. Are you still with me, Dave? Oh, I am. Awesome. And uh, we are practicing that. We're, we're probably 90 miles apart. Is that okay? Yes, and uh, I think we're in compliance with our governor with we this 90-mile distance. And uh, I can remember uh, attending a board meeting. Uh, Dave uh, David is also one of our – he's with uh, Silver Birch and Nicolay Bible Institute, but also one of our volunteer board members. And um, we were talking about this in the board meeting. I was invited to talk about this technology. It's called the Opal Comrex. And I uh, thought, wouldn't that be cool that we could be able to speak with some of our Stand Up For The Truth guests, and it sounds uh, what we call in-studio quality audio. And so it sounds like, because uh, you're in your studio, you have a nice little setup uh, at Silver Birch Ranch. You showed it to me uh, at one of the men's retreats. Yep. Uh, so uh, where you do your nighttime broadcast and uh, you're younger, older, podcasts and all the other things you do through relate365.com. Hey, um with uh with this um pandemic uh on hand, I guess uh, how are things up there in uh White Lake? I mean, uh, how's it affecting folks out in White Lake? Well, I'm not even sure we have anybody that has uh, been found to have it in our county and uh, north of us. I I'm not sure that anyone has yet, but I could be wrong because things change so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, for us in the Northwoods, you know, I live on a, a almost, you know, acre and a half lot and I live at the ends of a million acre forest. It's not like there's a whole lot of people out here, uh, to actually bump into if you're staying at home. And most of us have been at home. Uh, it's been an interesting time though. Uh, most of our listeners know this, um, that we went through a time this summer where we, we had this storm and for the first time in 50 years, we were shut down. And then uh, we came into the fall and we're you know, just trying to recover from that storm, which for us was the storm of the century. And uh, we, we kept recovering and getting to the point where we could, you know, try and, uh, and offer our normal activities. And we got there pretty much. And this winter, we had such a load that our uh, parking garage, we have a, a roof over all of our cars, that uh, gave way due to the snow. And so, uh, you know, we lost a couple of vehicles and lost that. And we think possibly that the roof got damaged in the storm and we didn't catch it. And um, so then that was gone. So we're trying to rebuild that. And then all of a sudden we, we have to close now until our men's retreat in May. So I hope all those that are listening in the area, I, I hope every guy that's listening to us is planning on joining us if we do open that first weekend in May so that we can all get out together, get into God's word, enjoy being with each other. Um, I, I'd rather not use the word social distancing. I'd rather use the word physical distancing at this point, uh, because hopefully we're not staying away from each other or staying away from listening to speakers and maybe listening to our pastors, you know, stream things and family and friends that we can get online and see at least at this point. I think those are 
still connecting points the best we can. It's, it's not perfect, but uh, certainly we have some technology that can help us go through it a little bit better. And we're taking advantage of that. Uh, we like to uh, start the broadcast every morning uh, in the podcast with uh, prayer. So, Dave, would you uh, start us off in prayer? Absolutely. Father, we, we are so thankful that you are our Father, that you are older than us and smarter than us and love us, and that we can trust you. During this time in our nation, we turn our hearts to you and we trust you. For even though the circumstances are often difficult, you show us the path to go through. May we understand from your spirit uh, the opportunities that are ours, this opportunity that we have now to demonstrate our rest and our faith in you. And may this program today honor and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our guest today this morning is Dave Wager. Uh, he's broadcasting from a studio at Silver Birch Ranch Chicago Bible Institute. And uh, grab your Bibles. And uh, so, uh, David, uh, you're going to bring to us some uh, some some uh, old man thoughts, grandpa thoughts yeah. of hope uh, during this season. Yeah, you know, as I get older, I've been accused of giving people grandfatherly thoughts. And I thought, is that a compliment or is that? saying that I look old and sound old. I'm not sure what that is. But I've, I've embraced that. Um, I think that uh, it's been 40 years now I've been leading the ministry here at Silver Birch Ranch, just about. And uh, I've been married 40 years. Um, I've actually been in the ministry at Silver Birch Ranch for over 50. And I really don't think I'm very smart. I, I think really what's happened is I've accumulated a lot of experience. And that experience allows me to think about things and pray about things and talk about things in a unique way. So I thought, you know, on today's program, maybe I can offer some grandfatherly advice to our guests and uh, help them think about something. So I'm picturing you, Crash, and your family. You have a young son, a, a wife, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I were to talk to you, this is the things I would tell you to do. Right okay, I, um, uh, I have a 21-year-old in San Diego who serves in the Navy, yep. and uh, you can't imagine what's going on in California right now. You can't. Yep. So th- yep. the things that he's sharing with me, if I got on and was sharing it, people would think I was a nut. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so here's a, he's, 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 he's newly married, and uh, here he just got, uh, he got back from where he was serving, and he can't even tell me where he was, but uh, they're docked there in San Diego. And uh, and my 12-year-old is uh, going through his seasonal allergies and uh, a little bit concerned because he wants to make sure they're allergies, you know, and not this corona sure. thing. And uh, he's homeschooled, so he's back He's back doing that. And, and uh, Katie returns to work. She was off since Wednesday. She's back today to get things ready for our upcoming fundraiser. So, uh, so uh, speak some wisdom. Well, you know, first and foremost, as I talk to anybody, I talk about the importance of being in God's family and knowing that God is your father. And, you know, for us, it's very important to know that our sin has been paid for, that, that we've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ as our Savior, that God has adopted us into his family, and that he's a father who loves us. Now, when you have a father, just like your son is sick now, it doesn't mean that you're going to cure the sickness necessarily. It means that you're going to guide them through the sickness so that you can get to the other side of this. Um, there, is, there is nothing more precious to me than knowing that God is my father 
and that since he is older than me and smarter than me and loves me, I can trust him. So those listening guests that do not know that God is your father, let this be the day that you understand his love and respond to him and put your trust in his son and enter God's family so that he can be your father. And if you're confused by that, please contact the station and let us talk you through it. This is an important time in history to be able to reevaluate your life and you got time to do that. But honestly, if God is not a part of your life, if he's not your father, everything that I'm talking about today isn't going to make any sense and it's not going to work for you anyway. Because you have to be able to have an object of your trust and your faith. Uh, my dad uh, died at 60 years old of a heart attack. One of his favorite books to speak on was the book of Hebrews. And he had a phrase that he talked about as he talked uh, through Hebrews. And it was basically the faith rest life. He said, you know, those who, who really have faith in God, they're able to rest as well in God. And this time of uncertainty, it doesn't mean that, that we live certain of the future, except for the very far future when we're with God. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in our government and our lives. and We don't understand any of that. But I tell you, it is nice to know that, that the God who is our Father, who loves us very much, is the one that actually can guide us through the whole mess that we're in. So if you don't know him, that's my first recommendation to you, get to know him. And uh, without that, I, I can't offer you any hope because then I, now you're going to have to figure out how the government's going to help you or how your 401k isn't going to go totally bad or whatever else might be. But for those who have a heavenly father, we have more than that. And it's important that we understand that. And after that, I mean, if you have God as your father, here, here's some advice for you. The first thing I would ask you to do is to focus on what you know and not what you feel or not what you fear. What, what happens a lot of times is we focus on things we don't even know. You know, I mean, how much do we actually know about the coronavirus? Crash, how much do you know about We're it? We're actually finding out every single day what we don't know. Right. You know, you, uh, if that makes sense. But we, they, they believe this, they believe this, because this is a new strain. And they're, so they're talking about, well, the, the typical strain is this. But with this right. new strain, and they thought first it was for this age group, and now they're finding out younger people. And so yeah. uh, the long answer is we don't know. No. And so what happens a lot of times is we begin to focus on things that we really don't really know. And the, the news is moving so fast and we can choose who we want to listen to. And before you know it, we're full of anxiety. We're full of concern over something that doesn't even exist. And Satan's down there just laughing at us because he's got us totally confused. And we're starting to act confused. You know, if you're going to focus on what you know instead of what you feel, and I'll get into the scriptures in a moment with that. But if you're going to, from our government standpoint, from our nation and, and physical standpoint right now, here's what I know for sure. We've been asked to be a little bit distant from one another and to watch the germs that get passed from one person to another. We've been asked to do that. So I can do that. We've been asked to make sure that we wash our hands well. Um, I can do that. It, we've been asked uh, to make sure that... Um, you know, people who are in need are, are especially cared for at this particular time. Watch over them. Make sure they have what they need. You know, uh, you, we can do that. There are some things that the government is asking us to do that common sense would also dictate that we say, OK, so I'm going to concentrate on this and do this. 
you know, sitting at home and worrying about whether I'm going to get a germ or worrying about whether my 401k is never going to bounce back or worrying about, you know, that's not going to solve any problems. So it's kind of a waste of energy and, and really puts us in a bad spot. So, so focus on what you know, not what you feel or not what you fear. And, uh, and then the, the second thing is just act on what you know. So I'm going to wash my hands. Do you know, it crashed. I was in the doctor's appointment. Now, I have been yo-yoed around here with some medical appointments, and I'm not blaming anyone. It's just they don't know what's going on at this point. But I was scheduled for some toe surgery. Mm-hmm. So I had all these appointments and all that, and everything was, you know. And, um, and then all of a sudden, um, I, I, it got canceled. And then yesterday they said, no, let's do it. And then they just called me before the program. Said, yeah, moments ago, it. they just called and yeah, canceled Yeah, again. So, so there's a yo-yo thing going on there. Now, I can't, I can't control any of that. I am prepared to get my uh, foot operated on. However, it's not going to happen, it looks like, right now. Now, while I was in the doctor's, though, I noticed, you know, I went in the office, and they, they would check you at the outside of the hospital because our clinic in Anago is in the hospital. And they would check in the outside and, and frisky and kind of things. And there was nobody in the in the waiting room. And I went in there and, and um, I, you know, I put my hand under the hand sanitizer thing, put put the hand sanitizer on it. Oh, it burnt my hands. And I started looking and saying, oh, my hands are red from all this washing and all that stuff. And then I looked at the lady checking me in and her hands were bright red. I said, boy, I don't know. We're going to all get some other disease from our skin peeling off or something now from from all this washing. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I am going to focus, though, on washing my hands. I'm going to focus on trying to keep my hands out of my eyes, my nose, my mouth, my ears. My father-in-law was a family physician. Uh, I guess he still would be. He's 90 years old now, and he's not practicing. But he was a family physician for many, many, many years. And I don't think he got sick while he was a physician. And I asked him uh, one time why he didn't get sick when he's dealing with sick people all the time. And he basically said, I wash my hands a lot. So years ago, I heard the same advice. You know, wash your hands a lot. Not only that, he said, you know what? For you to get sick, the germ actually has to get into your body somehow. So that's why we wash our hands, because our hands tend to touch our faces, rub our eyes, pick our noses, whatever it might be. And when you do that, it has an entry point into your life into your physical life. And that's when you get in trouble. So if you can get out of the habit of putting your hands near an opening in your body, and if you could uh, wash your hands so that the germs are not on there, well, th- then the chances of you getting sick are a whole lot less. I, and I thought, Have you been yeah. seeing James 4.8 being passed around on social media? No, no, I haven't. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. You know, so it's even oh. in the Bible. Yeah, that's that's interesting. <laughs> well, you know what? Again, that's kind of focusing on what we know instead of what we fear. Um, I, I know some people think, well, I just got to stand and wash them all day long. I, you know, that's not the point. Yeah, yeah. The point is do what you can. Now, the, the, the psalm I want to share uh, and talk a little bit about is Psalm 37. And I would suggest our listeners not only read Psalm 37, 1 to 7, but go ahead. You got time. Memorize it. Because this psalm is a psalm that you can go to when you're mistreated by people. It's a psalm that you can go to in this particular case. Um, It's not perfect for the coronavirus, and I'll tell you why as I read it. Uh, But there's some points in this psalm that I want to talk about. There's some things in this psalm that I can actually do. 
So let me, let me read it to you. It says, Psalm 37, verses 1 to 7, Fret not because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Now, I, I understand that David wrote this, and he wrote it about people that were doing evil to him that shouldn't have been doing evil to him. But when we think about it, it's like, well, we didn't do anything to deserve the coronavirus either. I mean, we're just living, and all of a sudden there's a virus that's hitting us, and it's, it's, it's a kind of an evil little thing that's happening to us. And, and I call this passage a don't fret sandwich, because at the beginning of the passage, it says, fret not. And at the end of, it's not the whole passage, but in the seventh verse, it says, fret not. Now, fret is an interesting word here. It simply means, um, it, it, did you ever do any uh, wood projects where you use sandpaper uh, and sanded things? Yeah, tables and things, yep. Yep, so, so if you took sandpaper, and if I gave you a two by four, and I gave you a piece of sandpaper, and I said, here, take this wood, and I want you to sand it until the wood is gone. How pleasant would that be? It'd take a while. Yeah, and it would be boring as all get out, and it would not be pleasant. Fretting is that. It, 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 the comparison is you take something, and you just keep rubbing at it, and rubbing it like sandpaper on wood, and you just keep doing it and doing it. But what happens a lot of times is when there's evildoers in our life or things that happen in our life that we can't control, we keep rubbing our brain in it over and 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 over again. It gets wearisome. And, and right here, what David is saying, fret not. You know, I will never, because of the time I spend doing podcasts, radios, just leading a ministry, I don't think I'll ever be in a position where everybody in the world actually likes me. In fact, there'll be many people who criticize what I say, how I say it, how I do it. Because I do think that everybody can do a leader's job better. We all think we do President Trump's job better, whatever it might be. The, the bottom line really is I can't fret over those things. So I'm not going to, here's the, the one practical thing that I can focus on right now is not fretting over the virus. It doesn't mean I don't prepare for it. It doesn't, but I'm not going to continually rub my face in it and, and get to the point where I'm just worn out with the whole process. But then it goes on and, you know, and it tells you one of the reasons is um, like grass, it'll wither, it'll go away. At some point in our human history, the coronavirus will be something in the past that we talk about. It's not going to be there forever. So it gives us four things that I can do. So we have four things in this passage that I can focus on doing. The first is trust the Lord and do good. I could do that. You know, I can trust the Lord and do good. I, I can concentrate on who God is. Now, if someone might be listening and saying, well, that's the problem. I don't trust in the Lord. Okay, I'll buy that. But the reason you don't trust in the Lord is because you don't know him. So I want to encourage you during this time. If you're isolated right now, I want to encourage you. Spend some time in the scriptures and get to know God. Go into the book of John. Read the book of John. It's in the New Testament, the fourth book in the New Testament. Read it through. 
What you understand is John was somebody who understood that God loved him. In fact, when he identified himself, he would always say, I'm the one that God loves. He wouldn't even use his name because he was so amazed by God's love. Now, John was somebody then who trusted God because he knew him. As I work with young people and other people around the country, it's so prevalent where people say, well, I just think I got cheated by God or God. And I think you just don't know him. Now, it's really hard for me to accuse somebody of wrongdoing who I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to be very careful on whoever the president is of the United States to say very little about their motivation for anything. Because the honest truth is I don't know what it is. And I can speculate till the cows come home, but I still don't know. Well, I think, I, uh, I think uh, uh, we're going to have to take a break here in just a moment here for our affiliates. Uh, I, I I think Matthew 7 is pretty clear that we're not even supposed to be judging motives anyway. So Absolutely. So uh, it's um, we're visiting with Dave Wager. He's uh, broadcasting from the, his studio at Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute and uh, focusing on scriptures this morning of hope on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. David, off today, Crash Connell filling in for this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. And our guest is Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. The importance of being in God's family. And uh, we left off at so- uh, Psalm 37, and you kind of went into John as well. So, Yeah, uh, well, you know what? I get to ramble today all over the place because I'm just trying to give you advice from an older guy that's been in ministry for many years and working with young people and families. And during this very uncertain time, I- I'm encouraging people to focus on what's certain. And if you didn't uh, get the first part of this program, I-, I invite you to go to the Q90 website and download this thing. Um, and be able to listen to it and maybe listen to it with your family so you can understand there are some things that we can do. We can actually do them. And we're talking in Psalm 37. The first thing is, is trust the Lord. And then there's a comma there and it says, and do good. So it's not just trust the Lord, trust the Lord and do good. I I think we could all think, what can I do right now that, that would just be good? Good now is an interesting word. It it really means do what's right. Uh, I think for us right now in this country, Whether we agree completely with the government or not, it doesn't really matter. This isn't an issue of morality. This isn't an issue of ethics. This isn't an issue that is going against any doctrine in the Bible. So we we need to demonstrate our submission to our government at this point. That's what's doing right right now. And then we need to go out and, and if we can, um, find ways that we can help those who need help. I mean, I don't know right now in your situation what you're able to do or not to do as here in Wisconsin, it seems to be changing often. But there are people that if you're in a lockdown, you're in a lockdown with. Do something good. Do something right for them. You know, in other words, what we can do instead of fretting or rubbing our face in it continually is trust the Lord and do good. And then it says dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. You know, live, live your life and enjoy the faithfulness, the fruit of faithfulness. When, when you enjoy God and you're faithful to him, life isn't a burden, it's a blessing. Now, again, it doesn't mean that all of the trials will be erased from us. That's never going to happen. When I look back on the, the year that we've had at Silver Birch Ranch, I am amazed. I, w- I would never have thought 
that we could go through the things that we have gone through and then we get hit with the coronavirus as a nation. And I am looking at this thinking, you know, God, there's no playbook for this. I have no idea how we are going to thrive, not just survive, but how we're going to keep going forward. And But you do, and we will trust in you, and we're going to continue to do good, and we're going to continue to live and befriend faithfulness, because that's what you told us to do. And I tell you, God is never going to be wrong. He he has no perspective, and he has no opinions because he's God. So the first thing, trust the Lord and do good, dwell in the land. Those are like one thing, even though it sounds like three, but I, I never was good at math. Um, so, uh, But that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing it says in this passage is delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Uh, when I talk, Crash, when I say the word delight, what, what do you think of well i I was kind of wondering because i think a delight is um i delight in ice cream all right (laughs) yeah you do you look forward to it you you look forward to sitting with it eating it and you know caressing it with you know in your mouth or whatever (laughs) it might be Uh, the bottom line really is it's a enjoy enjoy god you know think of it for a moment The, the creator and sustainer of the universe is willing to talk with you not only talk with you, he's willing to have you sit on his lap. He's, he's willing for you to come to him and just talk with him about whatever is on your mind. We need to realize the God in the Bible, the God who is our father, is not an angry God in heaven with his arms folded waiting to strike us with lightning because of our evil. Instead, he says, come to me. Those who are weary, those who need rest, come to me. I can give it to you. See, God loves us. What we need to do is not make God a religious experience. We need to enjoy who he is. He's not somebody to be used to make sure that all of our needs and wants are met and we're all healthy all the time. That's not what he does. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. Think about it. One of the the fun things about children is their, their absolute delight in, in older people, their, their parents, their grandparents. You know, have you ever seen a child, a little child, you, you come up to them and they just run up to you, give you a big hug, uh, smile, scream with delight. You know what they're doing? They're just delighting in the fact that you're with them. They're delighting in the fact that, that you are enjoying them. Um, I think there is no greater feeling in humanity than to see a young child run towards you with their arms spread open, wanting you to just pick them up and be with them and enjoy them. See, what they're doing is they're delighting in you. They're running to you. And that's what we have to start picturing ourselves do with God. We need to delight in him. So first thing is we need to learn to trust in him. And if we're struggling with that, we need to spend time getting to know him. Because as we get to know him, we'll start to apply what he says. That That's the doing good and that befriending faithfulness part. And the more that we get to know him and we demonstrate our trust in him, the more we're going to delight ourselves in the, in the Lord. You know, right now, as I, as I mentioned all the stuff we're going through at Silver Birch Ranch, I, um, I tell you, I can't imagine going through this last year without God. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine, uh, not having his guidance, not knowing, um, 
that he will care for us, not knowing that he is able to care for us. This has been a very, very tough year. And yet, as I sit here on this side in the middle of this pandemic that's happening, I can honestly say that there are many times where I just close my eyes and lean back and say, I love you, Lord. It's just good to be with you. It's good to have you as a father. What I'm doing is I'm just spending time delighting in God. Now, I could be spending time looking at CNN, Fox News, or worrying about some kind of whatever they're doing now in the White House. or in the. I could do that. I could spend time doing that. However, I could also spend time knowing God, trusting him, doing good, delighting myself in him. And then what's interesting is there's a comma after it says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he says, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. See, as I delight myself in the Lord, it actually changes the desires of my heart to be in line with what his desires would be. How exciting is that? Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting led by God because I know him, I'm trusting him, and I'm delighting in him. Now, that, that's pretty simple because, you know, if, again, let's go back to the illustration of a child. If a child is, you know, somebody who enjoys being with me, when I tell them, hey, you got to watch this, you know, don't go by the stove and touch it because you might get hurt, and they enjoy me and they love me and they trust me, then they won't go by the stove and touch it. Because what they've done is they've developed this relationship of trust where they want to uh, please me as the adult in their life. And it's important for me to be able to live up to what I need to to help that person become the best they can be. So I keep picturing myself as this child before God, even though I'm an older guy. And he is the one I run to and delight to be with. Now, many of our listeners know, uh, Crash, that I have narcolepsy, which is a weird disease, and you can look that up later. But um, I, can, I, I always want to close my eyes and go to sleep. If, if I could do that anywhere, anytime, and enjoy myself totally. And you know what I find myself doing? When I do close my eyes, I, after the years of being in a habit of talking with God, when I close my eyes, my brain immediately goes to saying, I love you, Lord. Thank you, God, for today. I mean, it starts to just talk to God and delight in him. I'm very thankful for that. But I think in years and years and years of coming to God, it's a natural thing. And I want our listeners to have a natural relationship with God because they're, they're used to meeting with him, used to talking with him and about him. So delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's number two. The, the third thing it says in this passage, it's very practical, is commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord. You know, I need to come to God and say, you know, God, here's the plan. And now all of a sudden I'm talking to God. He doesn't lie. He doesn't have any agenda. He's not trying to manipulate anybody in Washington, D.C. That's not who he is. So I can say, you know what, God, I am committing my life, my way to you. I trust you. See, that's why trust is next there. I trust that you're going to use my life right now in a very positive way. Now, I may not be able to see it. I may not be able to understand what you're going to do with me right now, but I am going to choose to commit my way to you and to trust you. I know that even in this time, I know there are habits, uh, there are things that those of us that trust God do because we trust God. I know, uh, Crash, you've been at uh, some of the retreats I talk uh, to men, uh, and I enjoy doing that. And one of the things that I often say is, do you believe that God loves you? And usually the men will say yes. Then I'll just look at him and say, well, I act like it. You know, I mean, let's get in a position 
where our faith in God is something that allows us to actually use that faith in God to actually steer what we do and what we say. So the first thing, I get to trust God. I get to do good and befriend faithfulness. I get to delight myself in the Lord and, and see that my desires start to align with his. Then I can overtly, honestly, just commit my way to the Lord and say, God, whatever happens today, I'm looking for your plan in it. I, I love the, the story of uh, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel. You can find those, and I would, you got time, read Daniel chapters 1 through 6 sometimes, and, and look at the times that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are used by God. You talk about uh, crazy circumstances that you're put in. And I, and I go in great detail in one of those in some of the podcasts, but one of the things that, amazes me is the idea that the circumstances these guys were in were incredibly difficult but they committed their way to the lord right at the beginning in the first chapter uh, it talks about daniel and the boys resolved in their heart not to do evil they had decided that they were going to do what god said to do they committed their way to the lord even in captivity even when the king said something and all the way through that book they demonstrated the fact that their way was committed to the Lord, that they trusted in him. And then the, that comma after trust in him in that passage says, and he will act. And if you look at their lives, he did act. Before you know it, King Nebuchadnezzar, who thought he was God, was proclaiming that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was God. And before you know it, Darius, who was the king in, during Daniel in ch chapter 6, he was declaring and told all the people that, that God of Daniel was God. Now you look at that and you think, how do you get the king, the one who's so egotistic, the one that, that wants everybody to think they're God, how do you get them to become somebody who begins to point to the real God? When, it, you know, it's an impossible situation, it seems. Well, you trust in the Lord, you do good, you dwell in the land, you delight yourself in the Lord. Your, your desires become what God wants, and then you commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. That's how simple it gets. You know, a lot of times we're looking at the end result. We're trying to say there's a big picture here. I want the king to know Jesus. So I'm waiting to be able to tell the king about Jesus. You know, it, that's nice. The goal is great. But what we have to concentrate on is our role in life and being faithful in all the little things that God gives us today. And if God chooses to take our faithfulness today and use it to affect the king, so be it. That's God's business. We need to be faithful in all the little things. And again, that's something I can do. I don't have to worry about the, the whole universe. I don't have to worry about the whole nation. I need today to make sure that I am trusting in the Lord, that I am doing good, that I am being faithful, that I'm delighting in God. I need to commit my way to the Lord. I need to trust him and let him act. It isn't my burden to change the world. It is God's business to do that. You know what I'm really made to do is to love God or obey him and to love others. That's what I'm made to do. So I need to do that. And then it says, he'll bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. And the last thing, the fourth thing he says in this passage is be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And here's where the second fret comes in. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his ways. Don't fret about the disease. 
Be still before the Lord and, and wait patiently for him. Some say, well, I need him to move now. That's very American of us. You know, we need to be able to say, you know what, God, I trust that you have a plan. I trust that you're working the plan. I trust my life within the plan. Thank you for loving me. You're the creator and sustainer of life. While I was in my mother's womb, you knew me. You formed me. You had me born. I have great significance because you are my father. And that's a position that will never change. Therefore, I'm going to be still and wait before you. Part of uh, trusting God is being still, listening for that quiet voice that comes as we read the scriptures, as we sit in silence and think, as we as we uh, talk to each other in, in small groups about the goodness of God. I am so thankful, uh, Crash, that God has given us in this passage something that I can actually do, and not something that's impossible in this guy religious kind of thing. I mean, I, if, if I don't do the things, if, if I'm not one who's trusting the Lord because I don't know him, if I'm not doing good and I'm not faithful and I'm not delighting in him and I'm not committing my way to him and, and I'm not being still before him, well, then what happens is I'm probably fretting about the situation we're in with the coronavirus because now my focus has become something that is unchartered. It isn't. Uh, God's faithfulness is very clear through the Bible. We, he's worthy of trust. Now, the coronavirus, we don't know. It could all disappear tomorrow for all we know. Or it could be here for years. It could change the way America operates. It could change the way the world operates. We don't know that at this point. I do know this, though. I can trust in the Lord. I can get to know him. I can enjoy him. I can commit my way to him. I am so thankful for the faith rest life that God gives us. The circumstances of life are never going to be something that should dictate our attitudes, our thought process, our, our understanding of God. God has not changed through this whole crisis. He is still faithful. He is still the one we come to. He is still able to take us through the circumstances of life. He may not deliver us from the circumstances. You know, I mentioned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego earlier. Well, they got through the fire and they were fine. Stephen got stoned and killed. God may not take the bad circumstances away, but for those who are his children and will trust in him, he will make a path through it. He'll provide a way for you, and he will never leave you or forsake you or abandon you, for he's your father. Our guest today is... Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. And uh, the passage that uh, we're sharing this hour is uh, from Psalm 37, 1 through 7. And uh, we're going to take a short break. You're hearing Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. David is off today. I'm Crash Connell filling in with uh, David Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute, the importance of being in God's family. And uh, uh, we've been sharing from Psalm 37, 1 and 7, and also a little bit from Daniel uh, ver uh, books 1 through 6. So uh, we are bringing some grandfatherly advice. Uh, David, you've been a Christian a lot longer than me, and uh, I'm sure you might get this question quite a bit is, well, tell me the time that God let you down. Because that's, that's what I feel like sometimes is God's just letting us all down right now 
through this yeah. uh, through this epidemic or this pandemic. Yeah. In retrospect, I would honestly say that I, I've resolved all those, and I don't think he ever has. But while I was going through it, certainly there were times. I mean, when I was a kid, I had some real physical issues where I was um, had to be operated on by the head of Shriners Cripple Hospital in Chicago. For a while, I was in and out of wheelchairs, crutches, all that kind of stuff. I was cut from a no-cut baseball team, was the kid that everyone made fun of. Was you know, It was that kid. And I can remember as a boy thinking, you know, my dad was a pastor and, and um, my family life was great. But I thought, you know what, my parents have to like me because my dad's a pastor and he has to love the unlovely. I mean, he has to. And I can remember talking to God as a child saying, God, why did you make this piece of junk? You know, why, why did you make me? And that's what I called myself, a piece of junk. You know, why did you do this? And uh, it took years for me to understand how God was using those instances in my life. And uh, someday we should do a program on that. But at this point, it took years for me to understand how those experiences that he gave me in life were, were golden as I got older and was able to teach and identify with people and, and just golden in, in uh, experience. So now I thank God for all those experiences that helped make and shape me into who I am today, even though at the moment I didn't see it. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, I, God must be absent and everybody else uh, has God's blessing but me. Uh, but that was the voice of a you know 11 year old, 12 year old, not not really of one who is thinking through it as I am at 64 now. So. And uh, so uh, we're back to uh, Psalm uh, 37. Is is uh, any more scriptures? Uh... No, yeah, I do actually. Okay. But the, first of all, I, I want to remind people we're trying to focus on what we can do. So I'm giving you some advice. The first I mentioned was focus on what you know, not what you feel or fear. The second was act on what you know. And believe it or not, we're only to the third one, which says, let this time reveal what is and has been influential in your life. In other words, there's things in our life that is really that have dictated our lives. And my question at this time is, should the things that have guided us and directed us in our life, should they have been guiding us and directing us? For example, um, how important is money to us and how important is status and how important is uh, being with other people and impressing them or whatever it might be? I, I don't know. And each life is so different. But what we can understand right now is the idea that God alone is on the throne and that, you know, money or things in life, uh, things that um, uh, really should control us, really shouldn't control us. And, and we can focus on the things that we know are very important. And right now, if I could narrow in on what's important, I go back to what God said was important. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That, that's what we're about right now. And so that's what the whole first part of the program was about, loving God. Um, yeah, again, the, the idea of let time re reveal what's been influencing your life. I, I think that I've lied to myself a lot at li in life because I, I never thought I'd be in the situation uh, that I would be describing. For example, it'd be really easy for me to say, if I had a million dollars, here's what I would do with it. Because crash between you and me, I don't think I'm ever going to have a million dollars. So for me to tell you what I would do with a million dollars 
is really easy because I don't think I'll ever get one. So I'm going to be really generous with it mm -hmm. because I'll never have it. So somehow I think God has to show us who we really are because we lie to ourselves like that. Uh, for example, the example I gave earlier, go to Daniel chapters one to six. I mean, go there and, and realize that these boys, they, they said they resolved in their heart in the very first chapter not to do evil. Well, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow to a statue, they knew that God said not to bow to a, another God. They were being tested there. They weren't being tested for God's sake because God knew what they were going to do. But you have to wonder if Daniel, I mean, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they would stand firm, and they did. And it changed everything about their life. So I think during circumstances like the king telling you to bow or you're going to die in a furnace, that's a, that's a corona moment uh, as far as coronavirus. And it, it, when you think about that, that's going to start revealing who you really trust in and what you really trust. And this is a great time to straighten out what we trust in and that kind of thing. So in a way, it's a positive thing because we get to see ourselves, you know, honestly. Uh, the next thing I would encourage our listeners to do, and my fourth point of, of encouragement would be, Look for the such as uh, such a time as this moment. I would encourage you to do that. And, and if you're tracking with me at all, go ahead and read the book of Esther. You know, I know I've given you a lot of reading so far. You're reading Job and you're reading in Psalm 37. And now I'm having you read the book of Esther. But the book of Esther is amazing. There were, there were some really rough times going on there. You know, you remember her uncle Mordecai he tore, tore off his clothes. He put sackcloth and ashes on. And uh, he was uh, mourning the fact that the king was going to kill all the people, all the, the people that, um, you know, the Jewish people. And um, so he let Esther know, who happened to become the queen. And, and we don't want to take the whole program going into that. So I want you to go read the book of Esther. But what's interesting is Esther was able to have access to the king. And Mordecai sent her a message and said, look, you know, you need it. Let me read it to you. Says Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree and, and, and uh, showed it to Esther and explained to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And he went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to him and commanded him to go back to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death, except the one the king holds out the golden scepter so he may live. Now, basically, Mordecai is saying, look, we got a bad situation. We got a coronavirus situation here. This is very bad. So, Esther, I need you to go to the king and tell him that he shouldn't kill our people. And, and Esther gets back to him and says, this is a bad moment. It's bad enough where, you know, if I go to the king and he didn't call me and he doesn't raise that golden scepter, they'll kill me. Now, I'm telling you something. There's some circumstances there that are getting out of hand. But it's interesting because um, he said, you know, she said, you know, if he doesn't hold out the scepter, uh, they, they die. But as for me, I have not been called, she says. In 30 days, I haven't seen the king. Then Mordecai told, was told, tell this to Esther, if you would. Do not think to yourself that the king's palace you will escape any more than the other Jews. For if you keep silent at a time, at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, 
and who knows whether you have not come into the kingdom for such a time as this. This Mordecai, he was brilliant. I mean, he was basically telling Esther, you know what, Esther? You've got to understand something here. You were put in a position as queen of the land, somebody who could actually get the ear of the king. Perhaps you were put in a position for such a time as this. And I think that we can all look at that during the coronavirus. All of us are in different positions. You might be a friend. You might be a father. You might be a grandfather. You might be a mother. You might. We all have positions. What is it within the position that God has given us in life? Where do we need to be faithful? For such a time as this, I need to do what? You know, and I think that's a great question to ponder. So go to Esther and, and read uh, the book of Esther and enjoy the fact that Esther was somebody who ended up being faithful. And I enjoy, as you read it, I want to encourage you, go through it and basically look at the circumstances that are going on around them and realize circumstances everywhere through history can get to where they really get bad. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read that and, and realize the circumstances that the heroes of faith went through because they trusted God. For such a time as this, those of us that love God right now in this time need to stand and enjoy God and demonstrate that we do trust him. And then you can go to Psalm 46, and uh, you can read it later because we don't have the time to do it, but uh, Psalm 46, 1 to 11, where it basically says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, a very present help in trouble. It doesn't say that God will take the trouble away, but because God is our refuge and because he is our strength and because he's a help in trouble, the next few words appear. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. What a great passage to read. In fact, that would be another good one to memorize or to write down and to read to your family. Because the honest truth is, if God is not your refuge, if he's not your strength, if he's not your present help in trouble, then you will fear. If he is your refuge and he is your strength, and you realize that he's your help during trouble, then you won't fear. The fruit in our life, the, the fear, the things that we fear, demonstrate the things that we think control life. This is a great opportunity for all of us who are in God's family to adjust all of our relationships. Let's spend time with God and enjoy him. Let's spend time with our family and enjoy them. Let's make it a practice to get in a position where the crises of life that come are not things we fret about, but they're things that we realize that we have, put, we have been placed on this earth for such a time as these. Those who love God and trust him should be the lights in the darkness. We need to demonstrate a, a humble obedience to our government. We need to demonstrate a love for one another. We need to demonstrate a love for the, the people that we don't even know that are suffering and maybe add them to our prayer list. We need to pray for our our government leaders. For such a time as this, God's people 
should rise and they should be the ones that give hope to the nation. If it's not going to be coronavirus down the road, it'll be something else. And uh, towards the end here, Psalm 91 is another passage you can go to, 1 to 11, where it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And then it goes on to say, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Man, I'm telling you, there's something special. When you get close to God, when you can abide with him and you can, you can stay right in his shadow, you're close to him. I wrote the book on Psalm 23, and, and it's just called My Shepherd. And one of the things I keep telling kids in that book is that the most important thing that you can do in life is have your proximity to the shepherd close. Get right next to him. The shepherd will take care of you. During this pandemic, I want to encourage you to stay in the Bible. Stay close to God. Stay in the shadow of the Almighty. Shelter under his shadow. Say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And you will see that you will get to the other side of this. And this won't be the first and last pandemic or crisis or situation that's tough to go through. But it will be one that helps shape the future for the faith of your family, the faith of our nation. I pray that you enjoy God, enjoy each other. For that is the highest calling we have to do right now. Our guest is Dave Wager from Stand uh, from uh, Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. We'll wrap it up in just a moment here on Stand Up for the Truth. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Crash Connell in for David Furazo. Our guest, Dave Wager. Dave, uh, we just got a couple of seconds here. How do people reach out to you if they want to get in touch with Dave Wager at Silver Birch? They go to Relate365.com. All the podcasts are there. They can talk to uh, me through that particular venue. And uh, we'll get back to them as soon as we can. All right. Thank you, Dave Wager. As always, please share this podcast with those that are searching for truth and hope. And we thank you for praying for this ministry for Stand Up For The Truth.